We're doing villains now, I'm Dracula. Villains. Dracula. And welcome to Pass the Golden Popcorn, an MTV Movie Award podcast where we look at all the films nominated for MTV Movie Awards in all their various categories and try and figure out who really should have won. I'm Kenny Sage, a foremost movie expert. And I'm Ben Craig, a foremost villainy expert. Caught you off guard there, huh? <laughs> yeah, I was eating, eating a fry. <laughs> <laughs> and today we're here to talk about Best Villain, 1999. An interesting category as we encounter something we have never encountered before on this podcast, the possibility of a tie. <laughs> yeah, I was I was considering, I was going to message you and be like, should we, in, in the spirit of things, have our top two also tie? Um, and I thought about it, but like, I... I think by the end, I like I had too clear of like a this is the order these five should go in, that I was like it felt it felt wrong to lump number one and two next to each other. Yeah, but, look, I think a tie is a useful thing in our toolbox. Next time we're like struggling between one and two, or we can just go, hey, it's a tie. But yeah, I think we're able to not yeah. tie. Yeah, I think there's always like I I've, I'm trying to think. There's very rarely. Um, that I, I truly think that, like, one movie, um, at least, like, at the time of recording, like, I, I've, like, flip-flopped. I think I think I mentioned as much during our KISS wrap-up of, like, yeah, I think this one's probably above this one now in, like, in, like, the past. But I think I'm usually pretty good at, like, at, like, sussing out which one I think is better. And it's very rare that, like, two movies will be the exact same level of quality. Yeah. And that's something like we're we're each one person. It's not like the MTV Movie Awards, which are like voted on by the masses. And yeah, maybe you get a literal tie in that case. But yeah, so if we want to look into it, the 1999 MTV Movie Awards, uh, which we previously covered with our friend Jack, that was of course the Lolita nominated for Best Kiss Year. Jesus, a very, a very fun moment we constantly bring up. It's just yeah, it's it is strange. That is probably like the most awkward one. Um, yeah, like we have not gotten nearly anything like near that. Um, like the worst we'll get is like a Mark Wahlberg performance. Um, like we've been we've been pretty lucky in that. Um, yeah, or people who are, like, retroactively cancelled, like Kevin Spacey, where you're like, oh, that's yeah. kind of weird to talk about, but... Yeah. yeah. Nothing's been harder than going looking at Lolita and going, hmm, I'm supposed to look at this for what? Just... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, if we ever interview any of the producers of the MTV Movie Awards, that, that has to be, like, the top yeah, question. Yeah, we have to, yeah, we have to ask, like, what can... I guess, because, like... Uh, despite what? us being a good 40 episodes into this, I still don't fully end. Like, I know it's voted on, but I assume it's from a pool that is selected. Um, 
Like, yeah, I think I brought this up in an early episode. Yeah, so the producers decide on the nominees, and then the nominees are presented to the public. Yeah. So there is, like, some say in them trying to figure out what do people want to see there. Like, it's not like people are just voting for any movie from that year. Yeah, oh man, I really wish we could, like, I really wish we had access to, like, the breakdown of, like, what order things got in. Um, like, that would be, I'd be so fascinated, um, in, like, the voting. Because, like, yeah, because the nominees, there's not much you can do. But, and, like, we, the only frame of reference we have for what the public thought is the winner. Um, so, like, I wonder what the ratio would be. It would be super interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe one day. Um, but for now, yeah, these awards were hosted by Lisa Kudrow. Um, musical performances included Kid Rock, Robbie Williams, and Will Smith with Drew Hill, Nine Inch Nails, and Cool Modi. Will Smith, of course, performing Wild Wild West. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Wild Wild West is not a great movie. Um but it is very so confusing and a little boring, <laughs> um, which I, <laughs> which is a weird combination, but it manages it. Um, yeah, this is also, I think, best movie went to uh, There's Something About Mary, which, you know, this is our second time uh, covering it. Um, beating out, like, I, I get maybe Shakespeare in Love is like a personal one, but like beating out The Truman Show. <laughs> which is yeah. a very weird one like it's not a bad movie it's just like there's literally like two dog bits in it <laughs> which are both like probably the least funny parts of the movie um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is very funny that there's something about mary one both over like the best picture winner that year and then saving private ryan which everyone assumed was going to be the best picture winner then truman show of course the masterpiece armageddon like yeah i I gotta rewatch that one but like but michael bay classic um before he gets into his transformer era Uh, yeah yeah i i do i do appreciate the mtv movie awards being the few uh a few democratic ones at the very least um like i i can kind of see you know like the truman show just came out and like a lot of these things we're looking at as like legacies but like maybe people just enjoyed there's something about mary more in the moment you know mm-hmm. there, was, there, there must be something about it you know there's something about there's something about mary yeah Maybe when we cover it enough times, we'll figure it out. Um. Yeah, I it is. I I um yeah, that was one that I definitely I watched like the most passively. I was just like playing video games while like having it in my ear, um, because it like it was the one I've already <laughs> I've already seen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and just lo- looking at ooh, now we've got it to the era where the Wikipedia page will actually list presenters, so looks like Best Villain was presented by Samuel L. Jackson and Jake Lloyd from Star Wars The Phantom Menace. Oh, Everyone's okay. favorite dynamic <laughs> duel. Just <laughs> the classic duel. Uh, that, that is awesome. Yeah. 
I guess. Mace Windu's like one or two scenes in that movie, <laughs> and then like the kid, everyone's oh, favorite characters. <laughs> I just forgot he's Mace Windu. I thought they just had Samuel Jackson just because he's cool and like for villains, <laughs> but he isn't. Star it's like Wars. Liam Neeson said no, so they just got some guy. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. No, I. Jar Jar Binks was unavailable. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but, yeah. No, this uh, yeah, this year we got a little bit of Lethal Weapon closure. It's weird that it's Lethal Weapon. Is the fourth one the final one? Um, it is the final one for now. <laughs> In theory, it's the final one forever. Um, but I believe Lethal Weapon Five. Yeah, Lethal Finale is currently in development for the streaming service with HBO Max. Uh, Donald Lover and Gibson are going to reprise their roles, and because there are many reasons why they probably shouldn't do this. One of them, of course, is that like the director of all four of these films, Richard Donner, passed away. Way, and it's kind of like, could you really do this without him? Another substantial reason is. Mel Gibson's involvement in this. Um, yeah. And he is in talks to direct the finale, which would be even worse. <laughs> Just... Oh, man. That would be horrible. This is the final one in my heart, at the very least. Um, it's, I've never, I still haven't gotten a chance to watch the first two, but I'm glad I've gotten to see the back end of this, of this quadology. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, like, I don't know why we as a society decided that Mel Gibson was back. Like, it's Axel Ridge's last film we directed got nominations, and I read, everyone's like, oh, oh yeah, it's like, Passion of the What? No, forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But yeah. Anyways, um. Say, so, do you have any more uh, 1999 uh, the tidbits? Um. I don't think so. Oh, Guy Ritchie won Best New Filmmaker, uh, the director of Aladdin 2019, and films that aren't Aladdin 2019. <laughs> oh, The Man from Uncle remake. Oh, that was fun. Both Sherlock Holmes with Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> uh, discombobulate. Yeah. And of course, this is, yeah, this is the year that... Um, I mean, this means nothing to anyone who wasn't at the camp we both worked at, but this is the year where I Don't Want to Miss a Thing goes up against Iris for best song from a movie. Just... <laughs> oh, man. Wait, what's not, what movie is Iris in? Uh, City of Angels. Oh, which yeah, yeah. Either when we cover best song from a movie somehow, or when we cover best on-screen duo, we'll get to talk about. It's City of Angels, I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah, I can give, like, a little, little thing of it, basically. It is a remake of a German art film, where the idea is there are, like, angels among us, and a lot of the film is, I'm just kind of watching, and then one of them falls in love and decides to be human, and Peter Falk is there playing a version of himself who used to be an angel. Um, oh. <laughs> it's, it's crazy, and then... Yeah, and it's, like, really powerful. And then City of Angels is, like, half, okay, kind of art film, half standard Hollywood, like, romance-type thing. And then, like, have a thing, because, like, part of it is 
Nick Cage goes from being an angel to human. So it's like Nick Cage playing someone who's like never experienced anything a human would for like 20 minutes. Like it's, <laughs> And then it ends shockingly d- kind of dark in a way. I'm not going to spoil because we're covering it one day, but it's a wild movie, yeah. which we'll hopefully talk about sooner rather than later. Yeah, also looking at the character, I, I, I looked at uh, Dr. Doolittle and I, I hovered over it. And, like, in my brain, I was, like, I, it took me a second to realize, I was, like, oh, yeah, like, Robert Downey Jr. was, like, in a remake of Dr. Doolittle. But that was still, like, when my brain thinks of Dr. Doolittle, I just think of that poster where he's giving, like, a quasi, like, Pixar grin with, like, the eyebrow raise. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know why they made that movie. Um, I'm glad I'm going to get to see the, the original, though see how it stacks up you know oh man the original original i mean dr doolittle of course is was a series of books and there are a few versions including a 60s musical um that's very bad but got a best picture nomination for some reason and then so the murphy one is kind of another like I mean, th- that one really doesn't take anything from the books except for the general concept. But, like, within the first five minutes, there is an exorcism. Because, like, the pre- opening <laughs> scenes is like Eddie Murphy going, I can talk to animals! And it's, like, the kid version and his dad going, he's possessed! Like, <laughs> that sounds amazing. Yeah. Um, the musical version, most, mostly worthless, but there's a great sequence where he is trying to reunite a seal with her husband i think the seal was like from a zoo or something so he dresses it up in human clothes and he sings this like romantic song called when i look into to your eyes and then like the musical version the animals don't talk it's like he either just makes noises or or they'll make their noises it's like yes of course i understand you completely so it's like him singing this song to like the the seal about yeah again it's like this love song and then looking in and go going oh it's like such a pity you are a seal and then he tosses the seal in human clothes into the ocean and gets like arrested because they think he's killed somebody like (laughs) that sounds amazing (laughs) yeah it's like the one scene worth watching um but anyways so best villain 1999 i'm glad we gotta talk about these things that's good so 1999 the nominees are brad dorif bride of chucky Jet Li, Lethal Weapon 4, Rose McGowan, Jawbreaker, and the winners, Matt Dillon in There's Something About Mary, and Stephen Dorff in Blade. So, yeah. which winner do you want to talk about first? Um, we could probably talk about how There's Something About Mary first, just uh, just because like, we've already talked about it, so I don't know. I don't think there's anything much new to say, honestly. Um, cause I feel like even when we talked about it the first time, I, f- maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like we touched along like the kind of the villain. Cause like, this is another thing where like, I, I think we've spoken about it. I, or I think I've spoken about it before where like every villain, uh, I try to grade on like the bell curve of its movie. Um, where like, <laughs> weirdly enough, I think the last time I mentioned it was when also when we talked about vampires. Um, cause like you look at like, you look at um, uh, Pat Healy versus Deacon Frost, and you go, well, Deacon Frost, obviously, he kills a bunch of people. Um, but, like, 
Pat Healy is also just he's he's a he's a Pat Heal, you know. He's he's very much, you know, uh or uh Pat Pat uh Healy's character. Oh wait, what is it? Is it his Yeah Matt Dillon. Oh yeah, Matt uh Matt um Matt uh Dillon. They the problem is they both have just have normal people names. <laughs> it's much easier when it's like <laughs> Mike Myers, Doctor Evil. I can I can get that really easily. Um but yeah, it's like he is very like conniving in this movie. Um, like he's very like manipulative. I like that part in the middle where like his initial lie is found out, so he just creates like an even bigger lie. Where like, yeah, of course I lied about being an architect. You know, chicks just aren't super into into like um, into like billionaire philanthropists that donate all their money to worthy causes. <laughs> And just stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, I feel we talked about Matt Dillon a lot, because also he was in Wild Things. Oh, yeah. And yeah, we would have also, that also was this year. He was pulling double duty. But uh, what, what were, I guess, what were, do you have any more, like, additional thoughts now that it's sort of your second viewing of There's Something About Mary? Yeah, no, not much else. Again, the... The stuff in this movie that works is really funny. And then there's also some just unfortunate bits with, like, her brother and... Yeah, just, I forgot about that. Just some stuff that doesn't really land at all. Yeah, like, that stuff just doesn't land super well. Um, like, it's, it's... The problem is that, like, there are some jokes surrounding that that land pretty well, but it's usually because, like, the butt of the joke is, like, the other person. Like, like, um... Like, when... Like, when Pat Haley's talking about, like, oh, yeah, I work with, he uses, like, the R slur. And then Mary's character's like, I don't think, like, I don't, oh, I don't know if you're allowed to do that. And he's like, no one can tell me who I can't work with. And, like, <laughs> that's, like, it's funny because he's being, like, kind of, like, offensive and ignorant himself. But, like, most of the jokes involving that aren't that, aren't that, like, tasteful, I guess. Um, and then again, I don't know, maybe maybe I loved it the first time, but, like, all the dog stuff I didn't super love. And that's, like two extended scenes of dog shenanigans um but uh, the dog shenanigans won best fight um, <laughs> yeah i just it just it didn't do it for me um but one bit i don't know if you brought it up or i brought it up last time but <laughs> when he when he picks up the hitchhiker and they talk start talking about seven minute abs that is so <laughs> funny um that whole scene is hilarious because <laughs> then um for those who haven't seen it it's like he picks up like a hitchhiker who's acting a little bit weird and he's like i got this million dollar idea you know you've heard it eight minutes abs right we got seven minute abs you know like we we do like we do it in like seven minutes it's like well how how are you gonna do that he's like well you see if if you're not satisfied with the first seven minutes we'll send you one minute for absolutely free and then Ben Stiller's like, oh, well, you better watch out if they come up with six-minute abs. And then the other guy, like, gets really quiet for a second and, like, looks really <laughs> pissed off and goes, that's so stupid. You you could never do it in six minutes. You're doing nothing if you do it in six minutes. And that, that scene just tickles me pink. I absolutely love it. Yeah, that is a good scene. I don't think we did talk about that last time. It's, yeah, Hitchhiker stuff's good. Um, singing narrator, always a good bit. Just... Yeah, that, that that gives this movie like definitely something, uh, like very unique. That like is it makes rewatches a little bit e easier. 
Uh, I completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about the oh, singing narrator. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just like it's such a neat little um little quirk that just like made and like the intro scene too, like the animated intro scene is just really like kind of lovely. Um, I feel like I said this. Before. I feel like I must have said it before because I feel like it's such a it's such a Benism at this point. But like I feel like I feel like there's so it's just, if you cut this movie down like a little bit, it would be like kind of perfect. Um, like there's it is it is there's enough good content in there for like an amazing like one of my favorite movies because there's enough good bits. Um, like the. <laughs> the police officer at the beginning who's like gone completely clean and then has like one sip of beer and then becomes a complete addict again on like cocaine like that's a pretty funny bit but uh yeah it is kind of odd that this movie is two hours long you would think it would be like a lean 90 minutes yeah which is like weird um because like jawbreakers is like a is like a solid it's like 86 minutes um, but like it, it, it feels just as rich with content as there's something about Mary, like a lot yeah. of stuff, like it's, it's, it's very efficient storytelling. Um, sometimes, uh, maybe a little bit to a detriment in that some things feel a little underdeveloped, but I feel like, I feel like that's kind of the vibe it was going for. Whereas this movie feels like really bloated, um, that, yeah, and yeah. some of that is because some jokes go on a while. Like we definitely talked about this last last time, but the initial bit where he gets his scrotum stuck in the zipper, and it's like a five minute long sequence. I, I, um, I, it's really funny. Yeah, like, yeah I, I do like that. I like that everyone. I like that. There's people keep on coming in. Uh, I think yeah. that, that makes it work. And then, like, the and of course, with the length, you get more of the central bit, which is that almost every character in the movie winds up vying for Mary's affections. Even the ones who are, like, introduced, where they're like, oh, yeah, I don't really know her. And then it's like, well, that's my ex-boyfriend. I have a restraining order against him. Yeah, I, I, completely, uh, I completely forgot about that. That sort of, like, central bit at that, like... By the end of the movie, I think pretty much every named male character is like somebody who's infatuated with Mary, um, <laughs> which is like, which is just it is such it makes for such a, the ending is really chaotic. Um, it's like it's not yeah. a very good like romantic ending, um, just because every it's it's way it works way better as like a comedy ending than it does like a romantic one. Yeah, I mean. The kiss is fun, but yeah, the whole thing where it's like, all right, you can be with your boyfriend, Brett Favre. Just... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um, I guess uh, what were what were your thoughts about uh, Matt Dillon's, or Matt, Matt Dillon, Dillon's Pat Healy? Yeah. This, again, it's a fun one. Like, it's interesting that he won, but, I mean, well, it's interesting that he tied against someone who's, like, much more of a classical villain. And as you said, it is always kind of funny when you're sort of considering, I mean, kind of just sacking villains up against each other where some are like, oh, m- yeah, we've murdered lots of people, and then this one's just, oh, it's kind of a creep, but he really is just, like, a creep. And I think, like, Matt Dillon is so good at playing that kind of just sliminess, and he's, like, re- and he's really funny. Um, 
I think I mentioned my, part of my thing with, like, Dr. Evil last year was, like, like, there's not a ton of Dr. Evil in that first movie, so the bits you get are good, but sometimes you want more, and you get plenty of Pat Healy here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I feel like he's sort of, at a very natural point, I feel like his sort of villain role gets split a bunch, split um, about a couple people near the end, which is, like, which is also, like, really, really nice. Um, like, this... He is definitely like like he's very like slimy and like conniving and like he lies, um, you know. And he just it's just really it's really really fun as like a viewer getting to like see this. Oh, yeah. I think I don't. Yeah, I don't. I feel like the ending is a bit of a blur. But like he doesn't die, does he? I don't think anybody dies no, in this it's... movie. And that kind of goes to the thing where, as, as you mentioned, he starts, he is like, if, if you're into putting him as the villain of, of the piece, it's him. But it's kind of a thing where at the end, as more people start just kind of piling up, where he becomes sort of less relevant, where all of a sudden there's all these suitors. and But, yeah, you know, the only one who gets like, I mean, I don't even know if he dies, but the only person who gets shot is like the narrator. <laughs> the end reveal that the boyfriend of Magda is also like in love with Mary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, this movie. Yeah. This movie. Like. I feel like. Yeah. With a little bit of like trimming down a little bit. Like this movie could be on like the level of um of like we're the Millers like vacation and being just like a consistently super funny and great movie. Uh, but I feel like yeah, there's just too many bits that go on. There's too many bits that are just like not funny from the word go. That like hold it back, but like there's a really like there's a really strong like slime ball esque villain, you know, that just that just you know, like he's he's in direct conflict with the with the protagonist. Like they are they're both striving for the same like goal. Um, it is a it is a bit weird in this list. He is the only villain that doesn't kill somebody in this list <laughs> or multiple people. Um, so like he's, it's a bit weird. It is, he is a strange, strange person and he's probably not like, he's not the, I'm not going to say like, he's not like the worst villain, but he is like, technically speaking, like probably like the nicest villain, <laughs> like the least atrocities. Oh <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. If, if our main thing to judge is atrocities, then. Yeah, no, he definitely has that edge going for him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll say I do probably like this more than, like, We're the Millers. It's maybe the... Trying to look into different Farrelly Rubber films where... I have not seen all of them, but... Oh, I hear Three Stooges is good, but this is probably the one I like the most. Um, I, Well, Osmosis Jones, but they only directed the live-action scenes for that. Um, oh, the parts that everybody loved. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. Everyone loves the live action scenes with Bill Murray slowly dying from being like the grossest man alive. <laughs> oh man! Also, like this is this has like been a gross week too. Like I think like there's something about Mary and Blade and Bride of Chucky just have a bunch of like gross parts in them. Like Blade has like a bunch of dudes' faces exploding. And, like, Bride of Chucky has a bunch of gruesome deaths, and this one has, like, cum in someone's hair. 
Like, it's just been a gross, gross week in general. Yeah. Look, no one said being a villain was a clean job. <laughs> you're 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 so right. Yeah. Do you have any do you have any more uh do you have any thoughts any more thoughts on there's something about Mary? Um, I don't think so. Like as we said, there's not a ton ton more to say. Maybe when we cover it for best fight uh, fight or whatever we talk about it next for uh, we'll find a new angle on it, but but it's not like Titanic or something where there's so much going on that we can spend a whole, like, that we can just spend whole segments talking about the romance or yeah. if the guy was a villain or not. Um, you know, uh, be honest, what's worse, Matt Dillon's uh, Pat Healy or the Iceberg? Hmm. I mean, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, but I was talking to someone who pointed out that it's really not the Iceberg's fault. The Iceberg was just there. <laughs> no, that's fair. That's fair. You know, I've we, we can't get to... into this again. Just... <laughs> I definitely had stuff to think about. You know, after that podcast about my uh, my iceberg biases. I think the biggest fight we've had since whether it made sense the vulture was able to deduce Spider Man's identity <laughs> in Homecoming, like based on one conversation. Like... Oh, um, yeah. Speaking yeah, but Blade. Marvel. Yeah, speaking of Marvel movies, uh, pre-MCU Marvel movies are like, I don't know, I like them. Uh, I still have not watched the second Ghost Rider, but I remember really liking the first Ghost Rider. Um, like, I don't know, there's just something about them is that, like, I I, I like the like the MCU. I think it's, like, neat. Um, it Maybe it's ruining cinema. It might, I don't know if that's even true. Like the fact Lethal Weapon Four exists. Like I don't think cinema had was always been this great bastion of integrity and like originality. Um, uh, but I I do still enjoy it. But I also like these like littler, like uh, more like succinct, um, uh, focused like superhero movies. Yeah, uh, yeah. I can appreciate it. again. I also enjoy the MCU. I think. Calling it, calling it the death of cinema is maybe a little overblown, considering in the past week I've seen two pretty great original films, one of which is admittedly not doing that well in the box office, might try and like give it a boost later, but the other one, like a pretty weird film that's beginning a lot of acclaim and everyone seems to, to love, so originality, I think, still has has a bit of a foothold, um, but yeah. But the pre-MCU ones are interesting because I forget if we've gone into this before when we've talked about like Spider-Man or Daredevil. Um, but the whole thing with the pre-MCU, of course, was in the '90s um, after the comics collector bubble burst. With just '90s comics is like a weird time, but Marvel goes into ba- bankruptcy. And one of the things they do is they sell kind of all their movie rights. And Blade is kind of the first one to get made after years of trying to get Marvel movies made and either winding up with like weird Captain America TV movie type deals or Howard the Duck. Blade is kind of the first of this new wave and the one where people are like, oh, wait, superhero movies can be good. Um yeah. yeah. No, this is like an incredibly fun movie. 
cool. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, no, it is. Wesley Snipes is doing great as always. I'm glad to see him be back in the back. Oh, sorry. Back in the protagonist seat, uh, after a couple weeks, uh, since, uh, the fan, um, like just like giving such a, it's, it's great that like his, his character is like very like deadpan and like pretty serious, but like there are enough, he, he still does like a really funny job of it. Like I still really enjoy like his, like his like little quips in there and like his sort of like, um, like demeanor is always just like really fun. Yeah. I think this is the last Wesley Snipes recovering. Um, he's had a good run in the best villain series. Like he's, yeah, this is like the fourth time he showed up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, um, he is to villains. What, uh, Woody Harrelson was to kisses, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then white man can't jump being the center of that Venn diagram. Um, yeah. And yeah, it is fun to kind of see him in just kind of kick-ass mode here as Blade. Um. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, it's just it's just super. It's just kind of a, just like a fun action movie. Um, it might it may it does spend way too many not really scenes but way too many lines of dialogue that are the exact same, which essentially boil down to like the vampires run everything. Um, they say that so much in the first half of the movie. Um, like, and it's just like, it's, it's weird. It's one of those things where like, it's, it's very much told, not shown a little bit. Um, like we see like the secret, like the secret ish vampire society, but like, we don't really see any of that. Like, um, oh, what, oh man. Well, what you need to know, Ben, is the vampires, they run everything. <laughs> they do. I just, um. I wish I wish there was like more scenes like that where like where like you could see like vampires like running like a hot dog stand or something um just being like in control of everything but that's that's also like that not really where the focus of the movie is uh, the focus of the movie is just sort of just like getting to like the next like badass fight scene which are all like really good yeah. Yeah, no, the action in this film is top notch. Um we were like ta talking off my mic a bit. Uh, I mentioned there is of course the great episode of Community where the part of the premise is like Gillian Jacobs or Gillian Jacobs' character Britta has an ex-boyfriend named Blade who works at the carnival. So of course Troy and Abed are inspired to just watch Blade at their apartment. And it's a lot of things of it as like a kickboxing vampire movie, and it's just a lot of them like watching not the actual Blade, just a bunch of sound sound effects. But uh, I'll say when this film is living up to laughing at kickboxing vampire movie, like it is just such a good time yeah no i it's really good and like i don't know I f i'm trying to think of like what the other i like this is a really niche thing but i like like machine pistol guns those always look super cool i'm trying to think i don't know it's not is it robocop it might be robocop that also has like a very similar thing where it's like it's like a pistol but it shoots like like a machine gun like it has really like it goes boom 
And like, I don't, there's just something cool about that. And also just like the designs of all of his weapons. Like it's not over the top, but they do just look cool. They look like action figure like sets, which like maybe is kind of the point. But like, I really like that. Um, I think more more movies should uh, should make their guns look cool. That's that's my prescription. You think that guns should just look even cooler? Let's look. Exactly. Like, listen, make your pistol look huge. Like, we're we're probably gonna cover it. Uh, we're good. Well, yeah, we are gonna cover it in a couple weeks. But like the hell, the Hellboy gun is super cool. Um, like it's just like a big, big revolver for his for his littler hand. Um, like I name a name a bad movie with a cool gun in it. You know, you probably <laughs> could, but it would be hard. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and to. If listeners are going to use Ben is not endorsing using guns, he just likes cool guns and movies. Yeah, exactly. Listen, guns in real life, uh, scary, little scary. Uh, guns in like movies and video games, always awesome and cool. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I'm trying. I so with this movie, it's a little weird. I think I told you a little bit before we started, and that this is the one that probably jumped up and down my list a lot. Um, uh, and it's the movie one, not so much. Like the movie one, it was it kind of had its place like pretty early on, but the villain was one that changed a lot because for like the first hour of the movie, he kind of sucks. Like he just doesn't do much. <laughs> I don't know if you agree with that. I mean, I, I think like he has a pretty good presence throughout, but yeah, he definitely gets more active because the first half of the movie is kind of building up to him. It's yeah, you know, it's there's a lot of fighting uh, Dono Logue, who plays his kind of minion. Uh yeah, because I like is that that's the guy with like long hair, like blonde blonde hair, right? Yeah, Quinn, and he and he like almost he seems to die like five times <laughs> yeah i i don't know why i liked him a lot more um i just thought, i don't know he's just goofier um he was a great like i guess like uh like right hand man um but that being said like halfway through the movie i don't know what happened like it's i think he's built up enough and then he gets to start like having interactions with blade like he throws a little girl like into a flower stand and it's really funny <laughs> um he calls blade like a a human Uncle Tom. He like uses the word. He just he calls him an Uncle Tom, um, but like he, he's implying that like for humans, which I, like it's just thrown in there and like not no attention is drawn to it. Um, and then I think like I think one of like the final things that like cemented this movie is like really really good for me because I was like teetering about where it should land on the list, but I think what cemented it where it is. Is the um, all the skeletons flying out of the vampires near the end? Um, that was just really cool. And the scene where um, Blade cuts Deacon like in half, and then like CGI blood like puts him back together. Yeah, all the CGI blood stuff is. I'm like hooting. I'm hollering. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, listen, having like realistic CGI is cool, and it's it's epic. But, like, I don't know. There's just something about it looking goofy and, and awesome and just being, like, a bright, vibrant red that's just... 
it's just wicked, you know? Yeah, we lost something when, like, CGI got better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. Like, this is what you want in the movie, kind of this kind of goofy, kind of, like, do-it-yourself type bits, but... Yeah, uh, but yeah, Frost is someone... Actually, it's funny that, like, Wesley Snipes is in this, because sometimes I I did, I did kind of think, like, he, he has sort of a similar energy to, like, some of Wesley Snipes' villains we've covered, like his, like, New Jack City, I think, vaguely comes to mind, like, just, yeah. yeah, just in that energy with, like, his ambitions and, like, what he's trying to do, and, like, and, and when he is doing stuff, he's just so dynamic, and you're like, oh, wow, yeah, I can't picture this movie without him, like, it's... Yeah, no, definitely by, like, the end, I think he had, like, won me over, because, like, they actually gave him, like, a chance to, like, to, like, do, like, stuff, which is, like, really, really good. Um, Kind of, a little bit spoilers for later on, is that I feel like, I feel like the um, Jet Li's character from Lethal Weapon 4 had, like, a similar problem, except it, I would say it really didn't get fixed. Um, Like, it definitely got, like, way less way less time than this one did um and then like yeah this movie it's also this movie i I said it before this movie is like really gross (laughs) like it has like a lot of like gross scenes um like in like in other movies where like it would cut away it just shows you like a big head exploding or like a giant sort of gelatinous person getting like fried alive (laughs) Um, like it is a, it, it, in a, in a cool way, it's a gross movie, which I, I did not expect going into Blade. Yeah. I think with superhero movies, you, you kind of expect some level of sanitization and kind of some of the gore stuff in this is kind of just like sort of B movie horror in like the best possible way where, where, yeah, like people are exploding and you're like, oh yeah, yeah, no, this is gross. Like, this is good. (laughs) Yeah, oh man, and like, oh, um, yeah, I don't know if we need to do like a a plot summary of Blade, because I think the whole plot is just there are vampires and they are evil. Um, yeah, they do we... have like a, they have like a vague plan, but like, not, not really. <laughs> yeah, we've gotten, we've gotten very inconsistent with whether or not we give plot summaries to these things, but yeah. Blade, there is not much you need to know. He's half-human, half-vampire. He has, like, a mentor for a while who dies. There's, like, a do- there's like a doctor. Um, yeah, oh, the... <laughs> so, um, Eminem, I think, about a year ago, released probably one of the worst songs ever. Um, but in, in that song, there's, like, a line that's, like, you heard of Chris, Chris Offerson? Well, I'm pissed, pissed Offerson. <laughs> and it's so funny. And I couldn't stop thinking about that while watching this movie. You're like, wow, it's Piss Piss Offerson himself. Just <laughs> he, you know what? There were a couple of scenes where he was Piss Piss Offerson. Um, <laughs> and also, like, why did they give that character cancer if he was not? He was. He didn't die of cancer. He died of vampires. Um, <laughs> there's also like a really goofy. Someone scene. say vampires are a cancer. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but there's also like a really weird scene where like he starts coughing and he coughs for so long 
and this is the first time he's coughed in the movie. And then, and then Blade's like, yeah, he has cancer. And I'm like, okay, you know, I guess that's kind of like gonna be paid off later where like he's gonna get too sick but no he just like he dies later <laughs> and there was like there was no reason for the cancer at all um, yeah especially because they, they had to introduce it in like the most forced way possible i wonder if that's just like that might maybe that's just his like comic book character had it and it's like oh it's for all the all the chris christopherson fans out there that wanted to make sure that his comic character had accurate cancer um, his Wikipedia page seems to just imply that he wasn't in... Oh, no, no, he... Oh, yeah, in the Marvel comics, Blade's mentor was a black American jazz musician named... called Jamal Afari. Um, and then screenwriter David S. Goyer, who, like, has written a lot of, lo lot of stuff, mainly, like, the Dark Knight trilogy... It's just like, oh, well, now we'll make him just an aging gunfighter John Wayne type. <laughs> yeah, Abraham Whistler. Um. <laughs> and I'll say something that does go with kind of that sort of John Wayne type, like aging gunfighter, is they do tend to be like dying usually. But yeah, it is kind of funny that it's like, oh, yeah, he's dying. And then he just dies a different way. Um. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it, it's just, it feels, it feels weird. Um, uh, but looking at the Wikipedia page, it looks like he is like in Blade Two and Trinity. So I don't know. Maybe that's just for flashbacks. Um, it is revealed in the second Blade film that Whistler survived his suicide <laughs> attempt to be kidnapped by another gang of vampires and taken to the Czech Republic. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! Oh man, uh, yeah. Do you have any? Do you have any? Uh. Any more Blade thoughts? I, re I really wish I left myself a little more time. I really wanted to watch the Blade trilogy before. Um, I still, I might, if depending on how much time I have in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, Blade 2 is Gil Guillermo del Toro himself, GDT. Um, something that, according to the Wikipedia page, the director of this movie, in a deleted scene that was originally going to be at the end, uh, Stephen Orrington played Michael Morbius. Um, just <laughs> current oh, star you... of the silver screen, Morbius. <laughs> <laughs> Have you? Did you uh, see Morbius? Uh, I did not get to Morbius. <laughs> like uh, a friend, like a friend, a couple of friends of mine who are going to be like future guests on these things. They they kind of. They serve sort of as bell, sort of like bell things for me. Where one of them like likes most things. So when his highest like Morbius thing was like two point five stars, and he's like, "Ah, eh, it was all right." Then I'm like, "Hmm, that's not a good sign." And then when the other one who like does hates the MCU, but like sometimes will go for like this weird weirder stuff like Venom, also hated it. I'm like, "Yeah, maybe I don't have to see this one in theaters." I'm like, "Did you see it?" Like, I have not um i know there's like a funny scene where one of the guys who played doctor who does like a funny dance and then has like a a weird gross stretching cgi vampire face right at the end um but that is the only good thing i've seen about it um 
I know they re they repurposed Michael Keaton to just make it the mid credit end credit scenes because they're like, oh wait, we actually don't want to put this in the same universe. But they're like, wait, but we've had this in all the trailers. What do we do? So they just shot new stuff with him. Like, yeah, it's it's so it's so goofy. Um, hopefully, we'll be seeing Morbius in Multiverse of Madness. Um, <laughs> Maybe Morbius gets the best villain nom. Just... Oh man, an, an excuse to watch Morbius. Um, yeah, like it is. It seems like it's like, you know, it's not. E- it's not even so bad. It's good. It's so bad. It's bad. Um, <laughs> oh man, Jared Leto just cannot cannot step into the superhero game, <laughs> can he? Yeah, no, not successfully. Oh yeah, but this Morbius deleted scene, which. This Digital Spy article I'm saying is like, watch this below, but it's a private video, so maybe it's still there somewhere, but I guess it would have ended with Morbius appearing on a rooftop with, like, Karen talking about their next move, or, oh no, yeah, Morbius is on a rooftop and he's stalking Blade and Karen as they discuss it, then they notice him, and he unsheaths his sword and readies himself for battle. And this was supposed to set up the plot for Blade 2, but then the studio just went another way with it. <laughs> and did not brought in a different director. Which that's the thing too, of not only setting up a Morbius sequel, but like to set up so you, the director of the film, are playing the villain. Like just <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. But Blade uh Blade unsurprisingly was really, really good. Um, we'll be, I will be looking into the Blade trilogy once I have the time. Yeah, and now we go into, actually, a pretty big week for franchises. I mean, Blade kind of starts one, and now we go into a couple, like, later installments. Um, next up we have Bride of Chucky. Oh, man. I wanted to like this movie. I really did. Um, but I just didn't. I could not get into it. Which is weird. Because I've only, I think I've, I've only ever seen this movie once, but I remembered literally everything. There was no surprise in this movie. I had every scene like photographically memorized from like the one time I saw it, like when I was like, like 10 or 11. Um, And it's, it's really, it sucks because movies like this sort of uh, live and die on their villain. Um. And just Chucky just isn't super charming in this one, unfortunately. Um, well, what what did you think, though? Yeah, so this is my first time of exposure to the Chucky franchise. Um, as much as I like kind of this horror stuff now as an adult, as a kid, I was either not allowed to, or I was very much like, yeah, nope, no thank you. Um, so, like, Evil Doll, I'm like, yeah, no. Um... So, I had kind of heard some stuff about these films that they get really goofy, that it is kind of this very, there's a very long-running story arc that is being continued to this day through this kind of television show that is currently airing. Yeah, Um, the last thing, well, before the show, the last thing I knew about it is that, like, before, I think there was, like, a reboot pretty recently. Um, where like it's sort of 
I, I they tore to take like a black mirror twist on it where it's just like technology going bad which kind of sucks um but before right before that one before like the reboot there was essentially the final one had like the kid from the first movie like his his actor returning as like an adult and he ha- he literally had the chucky head in like a vault in like a high tag vault and he would just like torture it <laughs> um which is i don't know that's like a weird cool thing to do with your series i don't know just like the person that was tormented by this thing just like just sadistically like just like like keeping it away from everybody else in like a really like practical setting like where there's not just like a bunch of knives laying around oh yeah no that that is a fun idea like this is a franchise i do think i want to dive into it more um and see see things it's impressive that i think brad dorif still does it to this day and he has kind of said that Bride of Chucky is one of his f- favorites. Um, my... it's yeah, because like I feel like his voice work is good. It's just none of like the jokes or lines just hit with me. Um, I feel like this. I feel like this was sort of this is definitely like the turning point where I feel like they got a little more goofy uh, with Seed of Chucky like being insane. Um, but I feel like this is probably this is probably like. It's like caught between two worlds of like a traditional sort of normal Friday the Thirteenth esque slasher and like a goofy off the rails like puppets who kill esque like <laughs> like amazing it's in its own way. Yeah, I kind of get that. I'll say the thing this sort of or my main I don't have much experience with Bride of Chucky, but uh, the Goosebumps series, which of course has its own kind of famous evil doll, which I think vaguely influenced by the Chucky franchise to some to some degree, because they did come up with a book roughly like a year or so after this for their Goosebumps series 2000 called Bride of the Living Dummy. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, but yeah, I will say in this case, I think the titular Bride, like the Tiffany character is a bit more interesting than like the Chucky one. Um, yeah. yeah. So someone has never seen these films, like they were kind of campy enough. I'm like, yeah, I can see why people like these. Like it's. Yeah, I wonder like how much of my my viewing of this is tainted by the fact that like, I was I was shocked. I was waiting for like a scene, or like a story beat that I didn't remember precisely. Like I don't I don't think any other movie I know as well as this one for no reason. Like I've only I've seen it twice now in my entire life. And I don't know why I've committed, literally, my brain just committed all of it to memory. Like, I Did you like the, it when you were all laughing? No, it was so scary. I didn't like it at all. Um, now you're like, this isn't scary enough. <laughs> exactly. Um, like, it's just, um, yeah, it's weird. It's weird. Like, I was, it's, it is shocking to me that, like, yep, I remember that, like, the friend, like, comes in the car and then finds a dead body and then gets hit by a truck. I remember that exactly. I remember like the the ending of like her giving birth and like Chucky getting like stuck in like a grave. Like it's just I remember like the the wedding scene with like the with like the glass. 
it's just I, I feel like I I don't I don't nearly have this good of a memory with any other kind of movie, um, <laughs> but it is it is just a fascinating phenomenon, um, and I I too also want to like I want to watch all the Chucky movies, but I'm scared to watch the first ones because I feel like those ones will still scare me a lot, because um, <laughs> um, like it's a really neat idea, um, but but I feel like I don't know why I just I feel like this one might be like one of the weaker ones especially because we did our whole scream week and i feel like my 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 standard for slasher fix is a little uh slasher flicks is a little higher now especially like sequels and um and like um series yeah i think more of it too is chucky chucky is you know it's like funny so like his little one-liners but it I think the idea of oh here here's your villain and oh he's kind of crass and he's kind of saying these these little things like that is an idea that has been done a lot since then like people have kind of been influenced where they're like oh yeah we can have our villain be a little irreverent a little like goofy and then it yeah so then so then like it kind of becomes harder to appreciate the stuff that might might have originated it especially when. Like, I mean, I haven't seen other ones, so I don't know if other ones, if his one-liners are a bit more, like, up to snuff, but... Yeah, that, that's that's what I'm thinking, too. It's just that, like, I don't know, yeah, like, the, these movies, they need to, like, hit, you know? Or they need to be, like, so corny they're great. Like, I feel like this movie, like, also tried to have, like, its own little, like, scream sort of moment where it's, like... Where it's like, what are you doing, like, with the knives? Like, get, like, a creative, like, knives are so, like, 90 or so 80s. Um, but like, I don't know. I feel like they could, uh, they could have played off that a little bit more. Um, yeah, it's just, I feel like it's just not, it's not like scary or like compelling enough, but it's also like not goofy enough yet, which is like, it does kind of sink. But I do, I do, um, really love, uh, Jennifer Tilly's like performance. I feel like that's always really good. And like, I really do love like the voice work of Chucky. Like he's he sounds like he has a very like unique like voice and like I just wish like the lines he was delivering were just a little like better. Yeah, like it's definitely a fun performance. It, it is something something where you're like, oh, uh, I wish there was more. And meanwhile, in our kind of Grey's Anatomy Shonda Rhimes verse watch, uh one of the original leagues, Catherine Heigl, is kind of one of the main teenagers in this. Uh, Jade. Just... Ah, look at that. <laughs> the, the Grey's Anatomy web consumes all. Yeah. 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 I, I do like, um, like how, how fast, like, uh, Chucky and Tiffany will just, like, turn on each other, like, at the end. Like, that's really goofy and fun. Um... Oh yeah, that's the thing too. Like it, it is always kind of kind of a classic, you know, the the villain like, or kind of the villain couple where one of them is just really into the other one, and the other one doesn't really care. It's like, oh, like it's clearly like pretty one sided in affection between like Chucky and Tiffany. There. Yeah, like a like a Joker Harley Quinn kind of situation. Yeah, or like uh. Yeah. Or like a Mr. Crocker Vicky situation. You hear about this live action Harley <laughs> Odd Parent show? I, I've seen a bunch of stuff from it. It looks awful. 
Did you see um, the clip where like Vicky's clearly in love with like Crocker? He, he just... <laughs> I haven't. Um, I did see the clip of like animated Crocker in jail, and it just they show like front facing Crocker, and it just looks awful. Um, yeah. <laughs> Whoever thought it was a good idea to make a live action for the Odd Parents and just do it like that? God. I don't know. And like, it's weird because like it's not like you can't like. Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide had an episode where, like, Cosmo wanted to show up. Um, and it, like, it looked fine. It just, it didn't, it didn't, it's not, like, impossible. The little movies they did also <laughs> look fine, but the idea where you're like, oh yeah, we can just do the show, but now it's, like, a multi-camera sitcom. It's, Yeah, like, with, like, a laugh track, and, like, it's just, it's... And not unlimited visual effects to do whatever they yeah. want. Like, yeah, it's, it's so, it's so weird. I'm trying to think. Um, because I I'm trying to, every, everything that I super duper love, like everything I love has either like ended, um, or, ha, or like has not gotten bad yet. Um, like two, like two things I can think of are like Xavier, Renegade Angel, and like the video game, uh, Bayonetta series. Um, so, like, I have a really bad barometer by, like, how much it sucks to see, like, a franchise you like just be just continue to be awful. Um, and I hope I never do, because I don't know how to feel about that. Because I've seen, I've seen, like, enough, like, video essays and, like, some people just making videos about it that, like, it's one of those things where, like, if the new Star Wars is, if you don't like them, then, like, that's fine because those don't change, like, the old ones. But there's still like a small piece of you that goes like, ah, oh, geez, that sucks that the thing I really love, like, is like is is bad now, or like is like continuing in a bad way. Um, I, just, I I I that is a feeling that I can I cannot, I can only sympathize. I can't empathize, or whichever order that makes sense in. Yeah, you want the stuff you love to like keep just saying good forever, like yeah. Um... Or or end. I'm okay with stuff like ending and then just never and then just being good forever. Yeah. Know? Like it is very sad that Arrested Development, which had an incredible like first three seasons, even with what kind of stuff comes back for a fourth Netflix season, which I actually like a lot, and then the fifth season is just disastrous by the end. Um Yeah, I really like I don't hope. I don't hope, but I do hope that one of these days, um, I do have something I love turned to complete garbage. Um, so I can know what that feels like. Um, cause like usually like if something, I'll usually know like going into it, if like something, um, if something like gets like really bad and I'll be like kind of prepared for it. Um, I know that the people that made Bayonetta did like an interview where they're like, Hey, like we, <laughs> we're not going to make good games anymore. Um, <laughs> because they don't make money um <laughs> which is it's like paraphrasing but like i think they and like i think like the last game they released was actually awful um but they always made good bayonetta games they made two really good ones so hopefully the third one was either most of it was made before <laughs> the bad ones or it's going to be good um because they made like a live service game called like paragon or something and it's just, it's, like, horrendous. Like, it's the one of the worst things ever. Um, 
they don't seem to have like a, they don't seem to like putting out mediocre things they'll either put out like my favorite thing ever or actual hot garbage um so hopefully no in between yeah, exactly so hopefully bayonetta 3 when it comes out is like a dumpster fire and horribly awful so i'll know what that feels like yeah, uh, yeah. but as for chucky apparently the tv show that was airing like I've heard some people are like, yeah, this is pretty good, pretty fun. Like, as the sequel to the seventh Chucky movie. So. Yeah, I've, I've seen some, like, clips, and it seems like it's, like, really fun. Like, it's, at, at, at a certain point, you, like, you lose, I feel like, the scare factor, and you just kind of got to lean into the goofiness, which I, from what I've seen, that one kind of does. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah. Yeah, we got on, I got on a pretty big tangent there, but I... I didn't really like Bride of Chucky all that much. Um, yeah, and I, and I thought it was good. Again, like, had not seen this and enjoyed it, but also, if I were to watch it a second time, I don't know, know if I would like it as much. But it was the first kind of experience. It was fun. Um, but Lethal Weapon 4. Yeah. Um, I I really like this one. Um the Lethal Weapon 3, that's the one that, like, started with, like, the bomb defusal scene, right? Yeah. Famously, Lethal Weapon 3 starts off with them uh, defusing a bomb, failing to defuse a bomb, and, like, a building just coming down, and them, like, walking out like, yeah! Um, yeah, and this one this one starts off in, like, a pretty fun note where there's just a guy with a flamethrower causing havoc. Um Yeah. <laughs> It's Lethal like, Weapon uh, 4 is, like, just crazy scene after crazy scene, and they're kind of connected. There's, like, a bit of an overarching plot, but, like, it is, but within the first, like, 15 minutes, they fight a flamethrower man, and then they're, like, fishing, and his boat gets destroyed by, like, a bigger pole. Like, it's... Yeah, it's... it's it... It has like a central thing about um about I think it's um uh it would yeah Chinese immigrants like kind of getting like um like smuggled over over into like America and like I I'll be completely honest I don't super understand like how it's working like some of them are being used to like make print money but some of them are like the some of them just get to live like normal lives because of the ones print. I didn't really understand it. Um, but that's sort of like the first scene is them sort of like finding one of those boats with like the, our main antagonist sort of group, like bringing them over it. The plot is weirdly confusing, but the action scenes and, 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 uh, and banter are really, really fun in this movie. I really clicked with this one a lot. Yeah, again, it's a film that it's disjointed, but every action scene is kind of insane. Like, it's just a bunch of silly, cartoony set pieces, and then it's business, like, there's a whole... A plot point is they have been promoted to captains, because essentially, the in... yeah. They cause so much chaos as sergeants so the department's insurance carrier won't, like, cover them anymore. So they have to be promoted to captains. Yeah, which is, which is really, it's a really good bit. 
Um, Chris Rock is now in this movie as sort of like, he's sort of like a loose cannon, like really like high energy, like kind of a little bit crazy, kind of like yeah. a new recruit. Um, the kind of guy who would crack wines about alopecia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And like, there's like a weird bit where like, it's implying that he's in love with Danny Glover's character. Um, but he's not. I can't remember how that plot ends. It's a very, very there's a lot going on in this movie. There's a lot of moving pictures. Uh, Mel Gibson's character is is thinking about getting married, but he doesn't know how. Joe Pesci's character is just is just a private eye that just does a bunch of crazy stuff. Yeah, um, he he has like an even bigger role in this film somehow. Just. <laughs> Yeah. Um, like, he's on the fishing boat with them. He's. <laughs> <laughs> um, unfortunately, like, Jet Li's character, like, gets, like, I, I want to say, like, there's, like, one scene where he, he, like, kills, like, an important player. I think, like, one of the, one of the Chinese immigrants that Danny Glover's character, like, sneaks in, like, from a custody, like, they let him stay at his house. Right, that is a plot point where Danny Glover is just housing this family. And then, like, Mel Gibson's like, you're putting everything you've worked for at risk. And it's like, what? Huh? What? When did these people get into his house? Like, just... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, this movie is, like, a bunch of stuff in between awesome scenes. Oh, yeah, Rene Russo's character is also pregnant in this one. And that's yeah. the thing that, like, Mel Gibson doesn't initially know. But yeah. by the end of the film, like, Enough time has passed that she has given birth. Um, yeah. Um, how, like, are you familiar with the first two lethal weapons? Not really. I know that the first one is, like, Shane Black, who who does, like, a lot of stuff. The, yeah. The nice guys, Iron Man 3, stuff like that. Um, yeah, like, is Mel Gibson's characters, like, wife dead from the first movie or did she die in one of the first two um yeah i believe i believe she dies before the plot of the first movie that's kind of the instigator okay. that his wife is dead and now he's he has become erratic yeah because like there is a scene in this movie um that is the funniest scene i've seen in a movie in quite some time um, and it's near the end where Mel Gibson's character is at, like, his wife's grave. And then Joe Pesci, like, comes up and, like, rambles about a frog he killed. Um, and this frog was, like, his best friend. And it's, it's like, I, it's, like, it's supposed to be, like, a quasi-emotional scene. But just yeah. Joe Pesci's delivery and story is so hilarious. It is it is gut bustingly funny because he just keeps going and going, and this leads into the scene where um, where Rene Russo's character is giving birth, and it's just it is it it is indescribable. Honestly, like go, do yourself a favor, go on YouTube and look up like I don't know Lethal Weapon Four Froggy Story. It's so funny, and it is 
It is an impeccably great. Yeah, here's how Wikipedia describes that. Uh, gets her eyes and offers a heartfelt childhood story that gives Riggs both a new light on the situation and a new perspective of Gets. So this is supposed to be the <laughs> scene where you're like, all right, I see this guy. He has like more value beyond just being the goofy screw-up. But again, it's just a really funny scene. You're like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, but, uh, but I would say, uh, speaking earlier about Jet, uh, Jet uh, Lee, he does, the ending scene is like super cool. The fight scene at the end with him and, um, and Mel Gibson and Danny Lover is incredible. Um, there's like a scene where like he or like i think one of them like shoots and he like he just sort of like dodges out of the way and then there's a scene later where like one of his i i I don't know if this was set up like this person was really important but like one of the people in the fight on jet lee's side gets shot and dies and then this like jet lee goes into like (laughs) into like really pissed off mode and then mel gibson and danny glover or um danny glover are just like we should just we should just go. We can get him later. Uh, like we'll, we'll we'll just we don't need to fight him now. Like, did you see him? He, he dodged a bullet earlier. Like he literally dodged a bullet. Um, but then they end up do <laughs> fighting him, and it's like it's this really cool scene with like a dock like crumbling under them, and like that honestly like that sort of like I don't know that like kind of like it, that is essentially where all my credit to him as a villain goes to and it honestly is like a lot despite it being like a really small part of the movie yeah gently is someone when i heard he was like the villain and this i'm like oh cool because gently has like incredible screen presence um obviously he's like a big action star he's done all this cool stuff so i'm like oh yeah he's gonna be here and then yeah it is as you mentioned, a similar case where he's not in it enough, but when he gets to just fight and kill, you're like, hell yeah. Like, um, yeah, it's like, it's a similar problem I described with like the, um, with, uh, with blade. Yeah. With blade, except blade solves it like an hour in, whereas this one has like the Latin, like the last 20 minutes. Um, yeah, but and like, there's like ten minutes of business after they defeat him. Still, yeah, okay. exactly. Um, so yeah, so there's not much to talk about with the villain thing. Like it is that is seen. Like I don't want to understate it. That scene, like, is probably just slightly less cool than like the entirety of uh, Deacon Frost scenes. Like, like the the ratios they have of like coolness to screen time are like are completely out of whack. Um, like it is, it is a really, really like great, like kind of powerful scene. There's like a part where Mel Gibson, like gets caught under some rubble, and, like Danny Glover, like sort of wakes up after being unconscious. Um, also just like their fight where it's like two V one is like, it's just really cool and like visceral. Um, like it's very like, it's like a lot of like the blade stuff is like very clean and like very like it, it's fun in that way though whereas like this one was like super messy and dirty and like they're slipping and it's like it's just a little more clumsy which made it look like much cooler because like they're all bloody and like tattered yeah it is a brutal fight for a movie that's opening set piece is a walking flamethrower man um <laughs> yeah where danny glover like strips down to his undies to distract him 
Um, <laughs> it's definitely a much different tone. Um, yeah. Yeah, and again, and that, like that's why you bring Jet Li in for like really cool peer fights. Or also, I think the scene where he does in kind of invade Murtaugh's house to get the family is like really tense and like intimidating and. And yeah, you just kind of wish you had more of that, and maybe a bit less Joe Pesci. As much as we love Joe Pesci, just yeah, yeah, no, fair enough. Yeah, or maybe less of the subplot where Chris Rock is like secretly engaged to like Danny yeah. Glover's daughter. <laughs> there, that's the the subplot. I completely like forgot because it was just really confusing. Um... <laughs> He's like just one of the family by the end. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, it's this movie. I think this is movie is the longest one on our list. Um, but it has like a lot of stuff though. It has insane amount of content and like a lot of like subplots going on. Um, it's weird. I don't know if it it <laughs> there is that scene at the end, yeah, where they all take the picture and it's like, are you guys friends? And it's like, no, family. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, and then why can't we be friends? Starts just playing over the credits. <laughs> oh man, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think I have anything else to say about. Yeah, it. fun yeah. movie. Um, HBO Max, please rethink having Mel Gibson direct a fifth one of these. Like, for many, <laughs> many, many, many reasons. Yeah. Um, as look, yes, we enjoy this movie in spite of Mel Gibson. Like just <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh man, yeah. Um, yeah. Any any anything else? Any any? Uh, it's the final time we'll talk about Lethal Weapon. I don't know if that's true. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if it comes up again. Um, but probably not. It's, <laughs> it's funny enough that like Lethal Weapon Four got anything. Um, yeah, it was, weird. it was weird. Lethal Weapon Three. It was oh. Weird. Wait, if we ever do like breakthrough breakthrough ones, which again could be tricky because they, I guess, I thought they became gender neutral quicker. Oh yeah, but Chris Rock got breakthrough male performance and best comedic performance. Um, and then oh, best action sequence for Gibson Glover car chase on freeway and through building. <laughs> Oh yeah, that that scene's also awesome. Like this is this is just like a, a confusing. There's not even there's like one plot, but it's also like fifty subplots. Um, but the action scenes just break away completely from all of that. You could you could literally shuffle them, um, but they're all really fun and really cool. Yeah, but yeah, with that, I think we can move on to the. Yeah, to the to the last film, um, Jawbreaker, okay, which yeah, so there this is like a genre that I know Mean Girls isn't the first one because I feel like Heather's came out before Mean Girls. Yes, was there a movie like before Heather's? Well, is there like a like the the first one? Like I I don't even know what the name would be. I can only call it like Mean Girls, like um. Like, it's just, like, that kind of genre of, like, popular girls um, in high school, and then one of the nerdy kids becomes popular. Um, is there, like, one... Is, is there, like, all, like, a pre... I'm trying to think of the word. It's, like, a pre-gener... Pre, there's, like, a word. I can't think of it. Um, 
Is there like the first one that all these are based off of, or did the uh, Progenitor? Um, That's thank you. Yeah. No, like I believe Hevers is kind of the progenitor, the sort of black comedy teen film. Um, yeah. At least the one that has the specific structure of here, here's like the here's the popular girls, and the, here's what they get up to. Um, only a couple of these films kind of involve murder, but yeah, it is interesting that this. Sorcerers as a blueprint, I think, for when we do get to talk about Mean Girls later on. <laughs> yeah, it, it's weird because, like, yeah, because I, I, like, I think Heather's is like an okay movie. I like the musical more, um, but uh, like, yeah, it's weird that like it was definitely first, but I definitely think of Mean Girls more when I think about movies like this. Um, My only experience with Heather's is the Riverdale episode of where they do the musical. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an all right movie. Um, I was, I, I will give the movie credit. Um, a lot of like the funny lines from the musical were, were just like originated in the movie that I was like, I was like, Oh, that, that seems like something you write after the fact. Um, but no, like it, it's, I think like all my favorite jokes come from the movie, but the musical has those jokes and a bunch of really good songs. Um, but yeah, Jawbreakers, um, this is probably one of my favorite openings to a movie, um, (laughs) where the sort of the titular sort of like popular girls, um, quote unquote, like prank one of their, one of their friends on their birthday by like kidnapping them by putting like a, by like, and they put like a jawbreaker in her mouth before they tear up and like she suffocates in their trunk. And that's like the first four minutes of the movie. Um, and then it just sort of spirals from there. <laughs> yeah, it is a film in which, uh, yeah, it is called Jawbreaker because there were, as they were like tying her up, one of them was like, oh, I know it would be funny. I'll like stuff a Jawbreaker into her mouth before I like lock off like anything that will allow her to get it out and then of course she just chokes to death on it and it is very like prominently just in her throat which is like a really like good gag really gross very like ah just um yeah it's 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 a very like shocking like first scene um it's also like oh man it's it's a very it's a pretty short movie um but it's also like very hectic and very fast um and also like in retrospect not a lot happens sort of like the initial incident happens and then the rest of the movie is just about like sort of that the trope of like the the sort of ugly unpopular girl like becoming one of like the main popular girls and then she starts to like out popular the original ones um and it's just uh and then it's just like <laughs> and then that just happens for a really long time uh and no other like big events happen it's just sort of goofy i mean like Rosemary Gowen's character courtney does frame marilyn manson for murder oh that was was that marilyn manson yeah, Marilyn Manson <laughs> as the stranger. Um, just... Oh man, I, I, man, I didn't know that. I it was weird because I definitely, 
It definitely, I definitely was like, like, are we spending so much time with him? Yeah, I I was like, oh yeah, that guy kind of looks like Marilyn Manson. And then I thought about, um, it's really funny that um, both Family Guy and Clone High have like the joke where like they have Marilyn Manson like guest star, but he's just like really like mild tempered and really nice, Um, (laughs) which maybe he's like that in real life. I don't know. Uh, but I, that's what I thought of. Because, like, I definitely didn't register that it was him, but I definitely was like, that guy looks a lot like Marilyn Manson. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. And, yeah, my one, I think my one, uh, my one gripe about this movie, um, I'm trying to, which, which, is it, um, uh, Rebecca Gayhart, who plays, like, the girl that sort of, like, becomes like good and like doesn't want a part of this is that right yeah i think julie is the one yeah julie wants to go to the police and then it's i i don't really care for any of those scenes or the scenes where like she's with like the guy um i don't know i just that that that, it's i i get why it exists it sort of is like the only way you can like end the movie um like with like the killer being like caught um but it just I don't know. I was just, it was probably the points in the movie where I was like the least engaged. Um, yeah, it's not as interesting as like the Rosemary Gowen stuff or the Judy Greer stuff. Uh, Judy Greer has also, as far as like nerdy character names go, Fern Mayo is so funny. <laughs> it's, a, it's so good. Um, yeah, I weirdly enough, I like, I, I guess it had to like stand out, but I, I kind of wish this went down more of like a more of like a Heather's route a little bit where it was like um where like they just had to keep killing more people. Um like his like stuff just kept on getting like getting really bad. But like it's the like the the yeah the Judy Greer stuff is like really fun. I really like um uh Rose Myth uh McGowan. Um Yeah. Yeah. Like she's just like like efficient on top of things like she she's always like a, like several steps ahead of people like she has she has her bases covered it's just like such like a fun like like despite this being in like a high school setting like such like a powerful presence you know which is like super needed out of like that kind of character out of like the popular girl yeah uh Ro- yeah rose mcgowan also in scream um she was Dewey's sister, who kind of gets killed in the first one. Oh yeah, yeah. But yeah, but yeah, no, she's really good in this. And uh, again, we're gonna talk about Mean Girls in several weeks. That'll be a really good time. We're gonna yeah, we're gonna have our friend Mags on back for that. It's gonna be good. And Regina George is like, I think still maybe one of the best kind of versions of this kind of character. The mean popular girl but it's sort of kind of one of the sort of prototypes like kind of the ancestors and that lineage that eventually gets to Sir Regina George like Rosemary Gowen is like kind of killing it giving like her spin on this character who is not particularly villainous outside of the part where she accidentally kills somebody and then covers it up but does really 
it does really give like a thing where like you are still kind of rooting for her to be exposed at the end. Like it's yeah, no, exactly. Um, yeah, no, I would say I would say that like roses. I think I. It's weird because Heather's is like the. Can you can you say the p word? I can't say it even though you pronounced it. Progenitor. Um, yeah, even though it's a prehevener. Um, I just <laughs> said it. <laughs> I was trying to combine it with the word Heather. Um, okay, <laughs> but it just sounds like I just messed it up. Um, yeah, the like the the main popular girl in in Heather's is like is gone pretty early on, um, and like isn't even like like doesn't like it's like doesn't really get to make that much of like a presence um in the movie except as like like sort of like a ghost or like conscience um but like yeah rose is definitely putting on like a a really like fun performance and like really opportunistic um and just like manipulative like like her and and um and like pat healy i think are more more are weirdly more like similar in that they're just sort of just like really like manipulative people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like she does have one over Pat Healy and that she has like a body count, but yeah, it's really about she's manipulative and she knows how to like elevate people. But, but even though like mean girls, you get the sense of like Regina Jorah, George, like, does kind of like Lindsay Lohan's character a bit, where, like, here, everything she's doing with Fern is just a manipulation. It's, like, to try and get her to keep quiet about her accidentally hearing her, like, confess to that murder. Like, Yeah. Yeah. Also, like, this movie's also, like, really, like, funny and, like, really quippy. Um, and every scene's, like, really, really fast. Um... And also, another thing is that, like, the editing in this movie is so, like, it's so sporadic and fun. Um, there's, like, a lot of, like, weird, like, spinning shots of, like, a character's head spinning towards the camera. Um, there's, like, a there's like a gross, like, 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 sound when someone blinks near the beginning, which is just goofy. Um, and the movie's just full of things like that, um, which I, I really appreciate. I... I enjoy when a movie does stuff like that to sort of like stand out a little bit um yeah or it has bits like the idea that judy greer's character is so unpopular that it's not even where they're like oh look fern's cool now it's literally they pretend she's a different person yeah and are able to carry on with this for weeks yeah to, to the point where like we're as soon as they find out that she was fern they all like hate her again um <laughs> oh, it's just it is a um it is a, just a like a fun goofy movie it doesn't like i would it's the ending is like satisfying in like in its own way but i would say that it's like i feel like this movie sort of it really peaks near the beginning um and it like it it never quite reaches that like manic high as the first scene um but it still ends up being like a pretty like consistently good like track along like as the movie goes on like things that get close I would say are like when they're trying to like when they're trying to like put the body on the on the bed and like Fern is coming up the stairs like those are those scenes are really chaotic. Yeah, it, it's definitely one that ends a bit strong stronger and 
That's what I agree where it's like maybe I need a bit more of a body count, though. If you want, like, teen, teen comedies that, I mean, cover similar ground and do have more of a body count, another film from this year that I think you'd enjoy, Ben, is, it's called, like, Drop, Drop Dead Gorgeous, and basically it's a mockumentary-type film about, like, a beauty pageant, and it's like Kirsten Dunst is this really nice person who's, like, getting in, but, like, all these contestants just start dying in various ways, and maybe there's, like, a murderer going on. It's, like, yeah. It's a lot of fun and has kind of similar energy to this for just kind of the uh, sort of, you know, can, can, candy coated black comedy of it all. Just uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. We got any more jawbreaker things to say? Just uh, uh, no, just like a really, a really like, um, really like slick villain. Um, just like very, just like very fun. Um, you know. I feel, and and like it's one of those things where like, um, I feel like the villain also gets like pretty pretty like main character billing for like a good like third of this movie, like the like this movie kind of has like three mainish characters like between, um, yeah, like Rose, uh, Rebecca and Judy, that's kind of there's kind of like the three sort of people. Yeah, she is really sort of a villain protagonist for a lot of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel I I would have preferred to just like I would I would have preferred that would have like probably gone more that angle. I feel like that's where more of the more this movie could be improved in a small way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I would agree. Um, but how do these films stack up to each other? Yeah. So for my movies, um, I think uh, at the bottom, I think I have Bride of Chucky. I just I couldn't get into it. Um. Yeah, I think my my standards for slashers just is too high now with with Scream, um, and it's also like it's it's I again I won't I won't go into it in as much detail, but it is a movie that I for no reason have a photographic memory of, which can really like hamper the the fun of it, um, and then I think above that, um, I think I have uh, Jawbreakers. Um, I really like the characters, um, like mostly I just. It's honestly something that probably could have benefited from having a little bit more time, because um, like as much as I as much as I prefer sort of the Rose's character to Rebecca's, I feel like if you just made this movie like a half hour longer, you probably could have given them both like enough screen time that like I would be happy. Um, you know, I don't really want less of one; I just want more of the other. Um, right in the middle, I would probably have there's something about Mary. Um, just like a really funny movie with really good bits and then like some bits that are just misses, which is really unfortunate. Um, and then for my top two, um, I think I will have Lethal Weapon 4 and then Blade above that. I feel like these are very like similar sort of action-y movies. Um, I think Blade just squeaks out on top, uh, because it has like skeletons that fly in one scene. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes that's what you need. Um, for me, I think I got, I like all these films. I, f- I might have There's Something About Mary on the bottom, just because, yeah, that rubber character is rough, but it's still, like, a very funny movie, um, still enjoyable. Then above that, probably Bride of Chucky. Like, it's, it's like you say, it, it's not the strongest, but, you know, as someone who had never seen this before, I... I enjoyed it. Got some stuff out of that. Um, 
above that, probably Lethal Weapon 4, just really messy, but, like, really fun, and now I'm like, oh, I want to see the other two, the Sea of... Because I have to imagine that Lethal Weapon 1 is not nearly as cartoony as Lethal Weapon 4. Like, it's got to be a progression. Um, and, but, yeah, this is a fun conclusion. And then top two, I would say probably Jawbreaker as my two. Like, just re really fun, kind of like d dark comedy, good performances. It, like, it's funny where you're like, oh yeah, this could have been long, longer, but I, I do think it, like it does manage to squeeze a lot into its running time. Like, e even if, yeah, you don't necessarily need the Julie stuff, but yeah, number one, play kickboxing vampires. Like, it's great. Like, super fun. Yeah. But how do the villains do? Um, yeah. Uh, for my villains, um, I think, again, I have Chucky at the bottom. I'm really sorry. I, I feel like he's, like, one of, like, the greats. And, like, I feel like just the quotes in this movie just, like, aren't as good. Um, maybe because there's just, like, a lot of people it's following, too, which is unfortunate. Um, I think above that, I'm going to have Lethal Weapon 4, uh, mainly just because of a lack of, of focus. And, like, unlike Blade, where I think it was it was done, like, intentionally for, like, building up. And, like, not only that, but it also, like, once it got going, it got going much sooner. Um, and then right in the middle, I think, again, uh, there's something about Mary. Um, just a really fun sort of like uh, like sleazeball um, type villain. Um, just like really like kind of conniving, um, you know. Uh, and then for my top two, I think I will have... Um, uh, Blades, Deacon Frost, with the Jawbreaker one just above. It's just I, I kind of just going with my gut on this one. Just like the, um, it's just more like the presence in the movie and just sort of the, the sort of quippiness and like funness and like in her like the line, uh, in her line delivery. Um, she she gets to be like a a really good antagonistic force for pretty much the whole movie, um, which is really really fun. But I, there's also no no sneeze in a Deacon Frost, um, you know, it's also really good. Wow, that's a fun list. Um, yeah, mine's probably not that different. Uh, at the bottom, hmm. yeah, I'll probably give it to Chucky for the bottom, just because. I mean. I go back and, I mean, I've been going back and forth between, like, Chucky and kind of, uh, uh, Wasing Wa Koo, like, Jet Li's character from Le Lethal Weapon 4, but I think I have to give Jet Li the slight edge through virtue of that fight. It's like, that last final fight is, like, really intense, and you're like, yeah, cool villain stuff. Um, so, so yeah, so Brad Dorf at the bottom, then Jet Li... And then, hmm, um, yeah, I think I might also have to do, there's something about Mary in, yeah, kind of above that, yeah, at Healy, really slimy, but, yeah, the only difference is I'm gonna have to give, like, or only difference for top two is I gotta give it to, to Blade for this one, like, 
Deacon Frost just really cool and yeah he's not in the first half as much but uh I think I think it's just so so fun and you know the CGI blood like I gotta give it the edge so props to Rose Rose McGowan like Qu Courtney Shane like comes pretty close and I'm glad you gave it to her because like I came came close to giving it to her too but yeah <laughs> yeah so that so that about wraps up Best Villain nineteen ninety nine. Um, now we come to recommendation of the week. Uh, what do you got to recommend this week, Ben? Oh man, um, this week I'm trying to think. Um, you do yours. I need to. I need to think for my first second. Unfortunately. All right. So as I alluded to, I've seen a couple of great films that are in theaters right now. Um, yeah. One of them, the much acclaimed Everything Everywhere All at Once, which is a film where I kind of wish I had not uh, known the rapturous reaction to it and could just experience it here. But it's like really good, really special. Uh, but the one I'm going to like mainly re recommend is because it is underseen and definitely needs to help. It's Michael Bay's Ambulance. Uh, it's Jake. It's Jake Gyllenhaal in. A performance that honestly could get a best villain on. We'll we'll see, but like, yeah, yeah. But it's about these two two brothers. There, they are. Yeah. They steal on. Well, I mean, they get into a bank robbery. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal and Yahya Abdul Mateen the second. Uh, yeah, they're yeah half brothers. They like get into a bank robbery. They steal an ambulance that has a cop they accidentally shot in it. There's just a bunch of insane drone shots, uh, big feelings, like big maximalism at its finest. It's really funny, like Garrett Dillahunt plays like a police captain who's just dressed up because he was going to like a football game before he got caught up in this. At one point, his big dog, who's played by Michael Bay's actual dog, just winds up in kind of a cop car during this like intense chase scene, and it's the biggest like, what? Why is my dog there? And there's just random references to other Michael Bay films. It's a lot of action, a lot of emotion, some great performances from uh, from Gyllenhaal and Yaya, and like, yeah, Ambulance. Like, cannot recommend it enough. Go see it. Um, all right, you got something now? Yeah, I do. I just have to. I just have to look up. The name. Okay, I think I found it. Um, so there is a um, an animated music video called "God Save the Music" by I think the band is called uh, I think it's just Wieners. Is it W I E N N E R? Um, this is a really fun music video. It sounds really neat. Uh, give it a listen. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. So that about brings us to the end. Uh, what do you have to plug this week, Ben? Yeah, so I have uh, my Twitter, at Gak Gak, G-H-A-K, G-H-A-K. And then in the description of that Twitter is my link tree that has all of my other links. Nice. Uh, cool. And as for me, you can find me on Twitter at Like a Wolverine. You can find me on Letterboxd, also at Like a Wolverine, where you can 
read my reviews of films like Ambulance and films we cover for the pod, um, and also look at a list of stuff we cover for the pod. Um, show stuff, you can find us on Twitter at GoldPopcornPod. You can find our seldom updated Instagram page that I should really start updating again now that I'm done with school at Pass the Golden Popcorn. And you can email us at PassTheGoldenPopcorn at gmail.com. Uh, thanks for listening. If you like the show, rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends. Our theme song is by Matt Samard. Our art is by Ben. We are on FriendlyMush.com. And yeah, all that's left now is to talk about what's coming up for Best Villain 2000. So, for Best Villain 2000, the nominees are Matt Damon, the talented Mr. Ripley, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Cruel Intentions, Ray Park, Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, Christopher Walken for Sleepy Hollow, and the winner, Mike Myers, again, in Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me. Going back to Austin? Yeah, have you have you been, have you watched any of these movies yet? I know you're a little more up to date than I am, but you've also been kind of busy. Yeah, I'm up through 2000, uh, I just finished the 2001 films oh, nice. yeah, I'm... yesterday, yeah, so I, so I watched these a couple weeks ago, I enjoy them a lot, and yeah, this will be a fun one. Um, yeah. Our old pal, our old pal, or oh yeah, I think he's gonna be on it. Yeah, our old pal Emilio will be joining us to nice. talk about it. Like it's gonna be fun. Um, yeah, I remember last time I think I watched the second Austin Powers movie it was on like a two sided DVD. Um, and I remember like the first like Jerry Springer bit. I almost peed myself laughing. Um, and then. Uh, I think I remember I've also seen the talented Mr. Ripley for like an English class in high school. Um, so I'm excited to watch that. Yeah, it's some good stuff coming up next week. Also going to quibble a bit on Christopher Walken though, because as you will see, he is barely in it. And really, while we can definitely talk about the Headless Horseman, uh, the Headless Horseman is more actually performed by Ray Park again. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Christopher Walken is when he has his head. Just <laughs> the, just for like two very brief scenes in that movie. Um, the head but, full horseman, yeah. Yeah. The head more horseman. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> That's really what a quinky dink. And then we get to revisit cruel intentions too. Through the villain yeah. lens. Yeah, and we don't have to figure out how to grapple with boys <laughs> don't cry, so it's yeah. going to be a fun episode. Oh, man. <laughs> huh. well, well, I hope. Well, yeah, thanks for listening. Um, keep passing that golden popcorn, and, you know, just remember. Hmm. Hmm. It's been a while since we've been stuck on how yeah. to end this. Um, vampires don't run everything um don't stuff a jawbreaker in anyone's mouth and then seal it with tape under any circumstance <laughs> and if you see someone you think they're um uh you think that they they might be marilyn manson they probably are
not sure if we can tell people to just assume anyone who looks like Marilyn Manson is Marilyn Manson. But... Uh, uh, bye, everybody. Bye, everyone.